Let us turn in God's word this morning to Numbers chapter 23. Numbers 23. I'm going to preach a different sermon than what I put in the bulletin. After I submitted my sermon information, I was still struggling with knowing how to preach that text, and this morning did not feel confident that I would be able to do justice to that text, so I switched to a different sermon, God willing, at a future point. I hope to return to 2 Corinthians 7, but we're going to turn to Numbers chapter 23 this morning. Numbers 23, the text for this sermon will be verse 21. Numbers 23, verse 21, we will read that first. He, this is God, he hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him. And the shout of a king is among them. With that in mind as our text, let's now go back to Numbers 23, verse 1, and we'll read the first 24 verses of this chapter. And Balaam said unto Balak, Build me here seven altars, and prepare me here seven oxen and seven rams. And Balak did as Balaam had spoken, and Balak and Balaam offered on every altar a bullock and a ram. And Balaam said unto Balak, Stand by thy burnt offering, and I will go. Peradventure the Lord will come to meet me. And whatsoever he showeth me, I will tell thee. And he went to an high place. And God met Balaam, and he said unto him, I have prepared seven altars, and I have prepared upon every altar a bullock and a ram. And the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, Return unto Balak, and thus thou shalt speak. And he returned unto him, and lo, he stood by his burnt sacrifice, he and all the princes of Moab. And he took up his parable and said, Balak, the king of Moab, hath brought me from Aram out of the mountains of the east, saying, Come, curse me, Jacob, and come, defy Israel. How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? Or how shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied? From the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him low. The people shall dwell alone, and shall not be reckoned among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob, and the number of the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous, and let my last end be like his. And Balak said unto Balaam, What hast thou done unto me? I took thee to curse mine enemies, and behold, thou hast blessed them altogether. And he answered and said, Must I not take heed to speak that which the Lord hath put in my mouth? And Balak said unto him, Come, I pray thee, with me unto another place, from whence thou mayest see them, 
Thou shalt see but the utmost part of them, and shalt not see them all, and curse me them from thence. And he brought him into the field of Zophim, to the top of Pisgah, and built seven altars, and offered a bullock and a ram on every altar. And he said unto Balak, Stand here by thy burnt offering while I meet the Lord yonder. And the Lord met Balaam and put a word in his mouth and said, Go again unto Balak and say thus. And when he came to him, behold, he stood by his burnt offering and the princes of Moab with him. And Balak said unto him, What hath the Lord spoken? And he took up his parable and said, Rise up, Balak. And here, hearken unto me, thou son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make good? Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. God brought them out of Egypt. He hath, hath as it were, the strength of an unicorn. Surely there is no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any divination against Israel. According to this time it shall be said of Jacob and of Israel, What hath God wrought? Behold, the people shall rise up as a great lion and lift up himself as a young lion. He shall not lie down until he eat of the prey and drink the blood of the slain. Thus far we read God's holy and inerrant word. May God add his blessing upon the reading of the holy scriptures. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, the context in which the words of our text were spoken was that the Israelites were on their wilderness wanderings, traveling from Egypt making their way up unto Canaan, the promised land. The Israelites have made their way up to the boundary of the land that was presently ruled by the Moabites. The king of the Moabites at that time, Balak, had heard of some of the early victories that God had given unto the Israelites. He had heard of how the Israelites had destroyed other nations and kings who had attempted to stand in the way of the Israelites as they proceeded on their journey up to the promised land. Balak, king of Moab, having heard of the power that was given unto this nomadic nation, became afraid. His fear was that the Israelites, as they continued journeying, would destroy and wipe out the Moabites. Balak, desperate for a way to guard against being destroyed by the 
Israelites turned to a renowned magician of the day. His name was Balaam. He hired Balaam to come over and give unto him help by pronouncing a curse, putting, as it were, a spell, an evil spell on the Israelites. Surely, Balak thought, if Balaam will curse this nomadic nation, then they would not be evil. They would not stand a chance in fighting against me. But I will be able to destroy them. Balak was wicked. Balaam was wicked. But the amazing thing is that God used the tongue of wicked Balaam not to pronounce a curse upon the nation of Israel, but to pronounce a blessing upon that nation. As God looked upon them, God's words through Balaam's mouth, recorded in verse 20 and 21, Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. Let's consider this text this morning under the theme, God's not beholding iniquity. God's not beholding iniquity. First, we'll ask the question, can it be true? Can it be true that God does not behold iniquity? And then second, the reason for it. God's not beholding iniquity. Can it be true? The reason for it. This text contains a remarkable statement of God through Balaam in which God declared the holiness of the nation of Israel. In this verse, it is God himself who is giving a verdict, an evaluation of the status of the nation of Israel. It was a verdict or a judgment which would have no small significance for the nation of Israel. It was a verdict that would have everlasting consequences for them as a nation. There was one of two outcomes for this judgment that would be given. Either there would be a word of curse that would be pronounced upon this nation, or there would be a word of blessing that would be given unto them. Either it would be said of the Israelites that they were righteous and that they were holy, Or it would be said of the Israelites that they were an unrighteous and unholy nation who had offended Jehovah God. Either it would be said of the Israelites that they were worthy recipients of that promised land, 
and that thus they could enter into that land and receive the rest of that land, or it would be said of the Israelites that they were cursed, and thus the Moabites would be given strength to come out and destroy the Israelites. Who gave this verdict? It was God. The all-wise, the all-knowing God who looks from his vantage point in heaven and who beholds everything that happens upon this earth. Psalm 14, verse 2. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. Jehovah looks with eyes that see everything. There's nothing that Israel could hide from God. And there's nothing that we can hide from God. Hebrews 4, verse 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. It was a verdict. It would be a verdict given by the all-wise and the all-knowing God. It would be a verdict given upon whom? The Israelites. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. Two different names here that refer to the name of the father of that nation, Jacob. Both of these names call attention to the fact that this was God's covenant nation. It was people with whom God had made promises. It was people to whom God had given instruction. It was a people that knew who God was because God had revealed himself unto them. It was people who, because they knew God, should have known the law that God had given unto them. They could not use ignorance of the law of God as an excuse as they came under this evaluation, this judgment of Jehovah God. And who this morning is judged, who's the object of the evaluation? It's you. And it's me. Who are one with that covenant nation of Israel. The New Testament shows this union that we have with Old Testament Israel. Galatians 3.29 And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If you were the judge, was called upon to evaluate your own self, what would your judgment be? 
after having gone through a week of self-examination, where we have examined our conduct, our thoughts, our desires, where we've reflected upon the words that come off of our lips, the words spoken about the neighbor, what would your judgment be of your own self? More importantly, what would God's judgment be of you and of me? This is a judgment that has significance, everlasting significance. Either one judges himself to be holy or unholy. Either one judges himself to be blessed and thus a worthy recipient of that promised land of the heavenly Canaan, or one judges himself to be cursed, and thus worthy to be destroyed by our enemies, even as the Israelites by nature would have been worthy of the destructive hand of Balak and the Moabites. What is God's judgment? the remarkable statement that God makes having conducted his perfect all-knowing examination of the nation of Israel is this that he beholds no iniquity in Israel no perverseness among his people. How can that be true? Is it even true? How could it be that the God who knows everything and who beholds every offense that is committed upon the face of this earth as he evaluated that Old Testament nation of Israel could declare unto them through Balaam that he did not behold any iniquity or perverseness throughout the land. Certainly it was not the case that God was ignorant of the Israelites' transgressions of the laws of the Lord. Moses himself had acknowledged unto the Lord the sins and the wickedness of the Israelites as they wandered around. Recall how when the Israelites ran out of food, then they grumbled and they complained unto God. Have you brought us out here into the wilderness in order to kill us out here? And then God gave unto them food from heaven. He gave unto them manna which sustained their bodies, and he gave unto them water from the rock so that they could stay alive. And then what did the Israelites do after a while? They grumbled and they complained that they had that same food to eat day after day, week after week in the wilderness. So God knew that they murmured and that they complained against him. But now God says he doesn't behold iniquity. 
Later on in the history of the Israelites, there was the event where Korah, Dathan, and Abiram led a rebellion, a great rebellion against God's anointed leader. They decided that they were finished with the men whom God had called to lead the Old Testament Israelites, and they, they were going to appoint themselves a new leader, and God was so angry with the Israelites for their rejection of his appointed leader that God opened up the earth to swallow up Korodathan and Abiram. And now he says, I behold no iniquity. God knew that just two chapters from Numbers chapter 23 and Numbers 25 that there would be widespread adultery. Numbers 25, verse 1, the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And yet God says he beholds no iniquity. If we struggle to understand, beloved, how God could say to the Israelites of old, that he beheld no iniquity in them, how much more so do we not personally struggle with how it is that God can say of us, I behold no iniquity in you. For us, we have not just a head knowledge and intellectual understanding of our sins, We have as well the added grief that comes with knowing our sinfulness. A grief that arises out of the fact that we have offended the holy and the good God. How can it be that God says of us that he beholds no iniquity in us? Is it the case here that God is hiding something? Is God perhaps being deceptive, maybe with good intentions, but deceptive nonetheless? Parents might do this at times as they interact with their children. They tell the child to go off and clean their bedroom. So the child goes and cleans the bedroom, and the child, to the best of His five-year-old ability cleans the bedroom and then asks for mom to come give approval of that room. And mom comes and looks at that room and, and mom can see that there are certain things that the child was unable to do to the same level that she would have done it. That it's not as tidy as what she would have wanted, but out of love for that child and not wanting to discourage the child, the mother declares to that child that You've done a wonderful job, great work. Thank you for obeying me and cleaning up the room. And then later on, mother goes and tidies up the rest herself. Is that the idea here that God, not wanting to discourage the Old Testament Israelites, lest they be overwhelmed with grief and with sorrow of heart, is being somewhat deceptive with them? 
that perhaps God is holding something that he knows that there's room for improvement in the Israelites, but in order to guard the Israelites from having grief of heart that would consume them, God decides just to withhold that information from the Israelites and declare unto them, I behold no iniquity in Jacob or in Israel. It's not the case, beloved. It can't be that God is hiding something. Because two verses prior tell us that God is not a liar. Verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken and shall he not make good? God was giving here to the Israelites a faithful, honest, complete verdict of their status before him. And God gives to you and to me that same honest, complete verdict of our status this morning that I behold no iniquity in my church. So what then is the reason that this verdict can be given? The reason is given to us in the end of the 21st verse. Here's why. God does not behold iniquity in Jacob or seen perverseness in Israel for the Lord his God is with him. And the shout of a king is among them. The Lord God Almighty had been with Israel for a long time already. It wasn't as if God suddenly had appeared on the scene, but for hundreds of years already, God has been with his covenant people. God was with Abraham when God came unto him and established his covenant with him and told Abraham that he would multiply him so that he'd become a great nation and that God would establish his covenant with that nation that would come forth from the loins of Abraham. God was with his people in Egypt when they toiled there as slaves in Egypt, when there rose up a pharaoh who did not remember the good things that Joseph had done for them, yet God remained with the Israelites there in Egypt. And then God was with the Israelites as they were brought out of that captivity, as they traveled through the Red Sea. God held back the waters so that they could pass through as on dry ground. God remained with the Israelites there in the wilderness, showing his presence unto them by the Shekinah cloud, revealing himself unto them by providing for their needs, giving unto them manna from heaven and water from the rock, which pictured their coming Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, God was with them. But how does the fact that God was with them explain the fact that God did not and does not 
behold iniquity in Israel. Now, how beloved, it's an amazing thought. Because as God, the great judge, looks upon his people and evaluates them and judges their every thought, their every word, their every action. What does God see but himself? For God is with them. He's in the midst of them. And as God, from his vantage point in heaven, looks down upon his people, he beholds not his people as they are by nature, not his people as they are caught up in sins and in weaknesses, in the lusts of the flesh and the pride of life. But as God from heaven looks at his people, he observes that he is with them. And so God, as he evaluates his people, is evaluating the faithfulness of his son, Jesus Christ. Your coming to the Lord's table this morning does not depend upon your faithfulness to Jehovah God, but it depends upon the faithfulness and the presence of God himself. Is God faithful to his word? Is God the one who sent his son Jesus Christ into this world to die for the sins of his people? Did Jesus Christ perfectly make that satisfaction for the sins of God's people once for all? Is Jesus Christ in the midst of God's people? If the answer, beloved, to those questions is yes, that Jesus Christ faithfully satisfied for the sins of God's people, then we may know with absolute confidence that as God the great judge evaluates his people and gives that verdict that has everlasting consequences, the verdict that God gives of his son Jesus Christ is this, that I behold no iniquity in Jacob and no perverseness in Israel. We come this morning to the Lord's table by faith, believing that for Jesus' sake, we are made heirs of that grace of life. And we come eager to hear the declaration of God to us personally that I see no sin in you. But I see the Spirit of Jesus Christ who cleanses, who washes, who redeems. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, we thank Thee that Thou art with us. Oh, we confess, Father, we do not deserve to have Thee with us. Thou art the great King the Almighty God, thou art not a man that thou shouldst lie, 
that thou art the God of truth. Father, give unto us in rich measure thy blessing, that we might be comforted and assured as the sacraments are distributed in this morning. Cleanse us with the blood of thy Lamb, Jesus Christ. It is him whom we love and worship. Amen.